Well, we are in the fourth installment of a five-part series called Slingshot. And what we're doing in the series, we're, we're learning five small disciplines that can make a big difference in the trajectory of our life this year. And it really is, God often does big things on the heels of our small things. Small things can make a big difference in your life. And we've been using this idea of a slingshot to illustrate this principle that these aren't just disciplines. This is something that if you'll begin to put this into practice in your life, it becomes a secret weapon for you. I'm telling you that, that it's, it will launch you into your destiny. It will propel you into your divine purpose. And if you don't hear anything else from me today, I would hope that you walk away with that knowing that God has a call on your life, that he has a plan for you, that he knows you, that he has carved something out for you. It used to be I would shy away from that word destiny sometimes because destiny implies that it's, you know, it's almost fatalistic, like you don't have to do anything. And I, I don't believe that. What we do absolutely matters. But at the same time, I, I would tell you, when I say your divine destiny, I'm reminded of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11. He, he said, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. What, what does that mean? It means that when God gives something, he doesn't take it back. It, it means that when God calls somebody, he doesn't change his mind on that person. And I just want you to hear this today and, and get it in your soul that you can't mess up God's plans for you. You cannot derail your destiny. You cannot mess up what God has ordered for life. Now, that doesn't mean it's automatic. You can decline it. You can refuse it. But you are not too powerful to mess it up. And I, I just think about Jonah. Jonah, it's not my text today, but I just want to share this with, it's for somebody here. You know, Jonah was a prophet. He had a clear word from God, heard exactly what he was supposed to do. And Jonah went the very opposite direction. Like if anybody was trying to mess up God's plan, that was Jonah. Knew what he was supposed to do and didn't just accidentally not do it or make a bad decision. He went the very opposite direction. But the moment that he humbled himself, the moment that he surrendered, the moment that he yielded and submitted to God's plan, he got right back where he needed to be at the right time that he was supposed to be there. And I'm just trying to help you that God knows you. Like if he made you with your unique gifts, with, with, with your skill set, with your passions, with your desires, with your experience. Don't you think he has crafted a specific and unique plan for your life as well? He has. And you can't mess it up. I'm telling you, if, if you will set out to live the life that God has for you, you'll, you will see God do amazing things in your life. And that, that's my goal with the series, is to launch you into that. This is your secret weapon. The first week we said you got to get a grip. You, you got to tighten some convictions. You, you need to take hold of some of your spiritual disciplines. Don't let those things go. Bible reading and church attendance and prayer, like those things are sacred. Don't get loose with that. Grab hold of things by faith. That was the first week. Second week, we said you got to take aim. And I, I didn't preach this one, but I'll just give you my version of it is, is that you, you got to have vision for your life. Like you don't just shoot an arrow and draw a target around where the arrow lands. That's not going to get you where you need to be. You need to have vision for what God has for you. You, you. you need to aim for something. And one of the things I appreciate about David is 
you see that he was a guy with ambition. Like, I don't know if you noticed this. I've never heard anybody preach on this before. But when David defeated Goliath, the, the whole reason he did this, he asked the question, hey, uh, what's going to be done for the guy who defeats him? Like, David wondered, what's, what's in this for me? And I'm just trying to help you see that God can use your ambitions for his divine purpose. Like if you've got some goals this year, if you've got some things that you want to accomplish this year, if you've got some things that you want to see happen, I'm just telling you, submit that to God. That is not evil. God can use that. Invite him into the center of that. One thing you will never have to apologize for at this church is having big dreams for your life. I, I believe God has put those things in your heart for a reason. And if you say, God, I, I want to see this happen. Help me. I'm inviting you in the process. You will see God work that in your life. So that, that's take aim. Of course, last week we said you got to pull back. And we talked about removing, not to, the, the way we move forward isn't by adding more stuff, isn't by pushing through, but we got to remove some things and, and uh, you know, cut some things out. And, and that's, that's kind of the short version of, of where we've been. But uh, today, as we get into our message, uh, I want to look at a verse of scripture. We looked at last week, and of course, this is our fourth week, so we're very familiar now with First Samuel chapter 17. But I'm going to read from a different translation uh, this is the message translation, if you want to look it up in your phone, your, your Bible phone. But I'm going to start in verse 38, just two verses, and then we will uh, get going. It says, then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. Say outfitted, just so I know you're with me. Outfitted. outfitted. Well, he, he put his bronze helmet on his head, and he belted his sword on him over the armor. And David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. So David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. I'm not going to have you say that one out loud. People get the wrong idea. But um, so last week I told you to pull back. Today I want to talk to you about let go. Let go. You got to let go of those things that do not fit your future. And I don't know, that word outfitted and putting the stuff on, I guess it stuck out to me this week because... Well, somebody said to me last week, I don't even believe this. They said, you know, I can tell what kind of sermon it's going to be based off the fit on Sunday. And I didn't know how to take that. I don't know if I should be encouraged or, or you know, rebuke them. It's like, well, I can tell what kind of sermon it's going to be by whether or not you lean in. So there. <laughs> but, I mean, I got enough pressure just recognizing that I'm speaking on behalf of God up here that eternity is hanging in the balance, right? I, I don't need to know that I'm judged based off how I look. So thank you for the vote of confidence. But I, oh, thank you. Thank you. But I know that, you know, there is something to be said, right? Like with what you have on. I, I get it. Like I, I really believe you look good. You feel good. You feel good. In my case, you preach good. Hopefully you preach good. But you look good. You feel good. You feel good. You, you do good. Unfortunately, I've not been able to pass on this knowledge to my children yet. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, the, just yesterday, my, my daughter Pippa had a dance recital and Reese was at work and Oliver had a basketball game. So it was just me and Grant going. Marissa was already there getting her ready. I said, Grant, we got to get ready to go. Get, get ready, you know, because he's, he's in the morning. And uh, so 
I'm doing my own thing. It's time to go. And I said, Grant, let's walk out the door. And he comes and his hair's not combed and he's got a wrinkly shirt on. He's wearing sweatpants. He doesn't even have shoes on. I'm like, kid, you are not ready. How, do, how are you my son? We need to, <laughs> it, it matters. And, but it's not even just, it's not even just, just that though. I mean, really the, the problem isn't like getting ready. I can't even get my kids to wear normal shoes when it's negative 10 degrees outside. They're always trying to slip on their slides and wear their flip-flops. And I'm like, you got to wear real shoes. But the biggest thing is, is um, because I've got three boys, they're growing so much. The most often thing that happens is something that fit them yesterday doesn't fit them today. And like they will put on a jacket and the sleeves are up to here. I'm like, I, I, I don't think that's the look, son. Um, I don't know if, you know, they put on pants and like their ankles are showing. I'm not sure that that's maybe, I, I saw Josh, he, he's got that, but I don't know if that works for you, you know? So I'm just saying that it, it, my, my son, I love you, but this is not well-pleasing to me. And uh, in the immortal words of, of Elsa, I just say, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. I've, you've outgrown it. This is this is, not, this is not for you. And the truth is, that's really what I want to say to you today. I, I'm concerned that there's some stuff that you've been holding on to that you're too grown for. And it's, it's time to let go of those things that don't fit because they're not meant to be part of your future. And this is, this is a different message than last week because last week I, I told you you need to pull back from like activities and schedule, and a lot of it was external stuff. And even though I know David, he took off the things that he was wearing on the outside, the truth is when I'm talking about let go, I'm telling you to, to let go of some stuff that's on the inside. Last week, I needed to address your habits, but today I want to speak to your heart because God has a call and a purpose for your life. And you can't get there if you don't learn to let go. And admittedly, what I'm going to talk to you about today, it's challenging. I, I recognize it, it can be a bit of a challenge. But that's okay, because the first thing you need to know, and, and maybe you want to write this down, is that before you can change, you first must be challenged. It's funny, my wife and I had dinner with a couple this week. I'm getting to know them. And uh, the, the wife said, man, you've just been challenging me Sundays. Challenged me last week to get involved. Last year, you were challenging us to tithe. We took the step of tithing. Just been challenging me. And I was like, oh, I'll, I would like to think of it as encouragement myself. I'm encouraging you to get involved. I'm an encouraging guy, not a challenging guy. But even if you hear it as a challenge, that's okay. It's okay because before you can change, you first must be challenged. And this fourth week in this same chapter, I get it. By now, all of us are familiar with this story. We know that David's showdown with Goliath was the pivotal moment in his life. It, it was the catalyst that catapulted him into the spotlight, 
into a sphere of influence, into the public domain. But he didn't get to that place without first facing a challenge. In fact, the text tells us this. 1 Samuel verse 16 of chapter 17 says, Goliath came out and gave his what? Challenge. Every morning and every evening for 40 days. I'll just tell you this as a side note. You can tell the call on your life is significant by the way the enemy is intimidated. And you can tell the enemy is intimidated by the way he's trying to talk to you. So if you've been coming in here, you're feeling like this week you've had the lies of the enemy running through your head about what you can't do, how you're not good enough, how things are never going to change, why you should give up, why, why it's hopeless, why the future is uncertain, why you can't be confident. You just need to know that you have a great call on your life, that what God has for you is significant. And sometimes what God will do is, is he will challenge us because he wants to bring change. He will challenge ideas that we're holding on to. He'll challenge opinions that we're carrying. He will challenge our perspective. And I know you might be thinking, well, wait, wait, wait. You said God will challenge us, but the verse we just read said that Goliath was challenging them, not, not God. Well, that's because God will never waste a giant in your life. You see, God will use your enemies. I'm not saying he sends them. I'm not saying he causes them. I'm not saying he creates them. I'm just saying God is not going to waste them. He'll use them to catapult you to what he has next. And if you've come in here with a challenge, whatever the challenge is, you've got a financial challenge, you've got a health challenge, you've got a job challenge, you've got a relationship challenge. You've got a family challenge. You've got a decision. Whatever the challenge is, that is an indication that there is something greater near your grasp because God uses those things to point to the fact he is preparing you for something greater. I mean, David is who he is because of his enemy. He was anointed before this, but Goliath is what made the shift. And just think, like, we would not even care about this story if Goliath was some scrawny, puny little guy. Like, that story wouldn't be in the Bible. If this was an easy thing, people weren't afraid of, if it was not intimidating, it's the fact that it's intimidating that it inspires us. And so I'm just trying to help you that your challenge is an indication that God's about to bring change. But as much as Goliath challenged David and the rest of Israel... I would like to submit to you that the real challenge David had to overcome was to not live offended. Now, we've been reading this. I'm not going to read all the verses that show this to you. But if you're familiar with the story, you know that David was not even supposed to be at this battle. Like David's life is about being overlooked. He was overlooked before we get to chapter 17. Youngest of Jesse's sons. Samuel goes to anoint one of Jesse's sons. He doesn't know who yet. His father, Jesse, brings all of his sons out to Samuel, not David. David's not even worthy. David is out in the field. Oh, you don't mean him, do you? Not even considered. Well, now he's been anointed, but he's still errand boy. He's still shepherd. 
He, he's still a servant. He's not a soldier on the lines. The only reason he's there is because he was listening to his father. He's running errands even though he knows his calling is something greater. And when he does hear the threats and he does hear the challenges and he speaks up to do something about the situation, which, by the way, something nobody else was doing, which, by the way, something that everybody was hoping somebody would do something about, which, by the way, this opportunity to do something about it was open to anybody. When he finally does speak up, his brothers shoot him down, condemn him, criticize him. He, he makes it past that, gets before King Saul. You got to think, the, the king of the nation stand in front of you and he says, uh, you don't stand a chance. You are not able to do this. But since nobody else was volunteering, Saul apparently relents. He says, well, the only way I'm going to allow you to do this is if you do it my way. Put on my armor. You take my sword. I'm, I'm trying to help you see that before David ever faced Goliath, he had to overcome the challenge of living offended. I told you the first week, we don't get to choose our battles, but we must choose to fight. Yet, I wonder how many less battles we would have to fight if we didn't get so offended. If we would learn to let go of offenses. That's what offenses do to you. When you're offended, you start fighting battles that you shouldn't be in. And when you're in a battle that you shouldn't be in, it will deplete you of the strength that you need for what God has actually called you to face. And so what I appreciate about David is he had enough insight to know, okay, there's some stuff that's not right, but that's not what God's called me to. That's not my fight. I, I, I'm going to let that stuff go so I can have strength for what I need. And when I tell you that before you can change, you must be challenged, I, I want you to understand that one of the ways God is going to challenge you is by asking you to let go. Because he wants to know if you are willing to release control. To release control. Your need for control. How you always take control. Because when you're doing what God has called you to do, your, your job is not to take control. You might have to take courage, but not control. You need to let go of your need for control. And when I say let go, I don't mean let go of your responsibilities. But I'm saying releasing what you could never control to begin with. And that's the real issue for most of us. Most of us would, would rather stay stuck in a cycle than surrender our need to control. So, so let me help you with this. When I'm saying that you've got to let go today, let me put it this way. It's, it's not about dropping it. It's about casting it. Not about dropping it. It's about casting it. The reason many of us have a hard time releasing the things that we've been holding on to in our heart for so long is, is because we've been doing this for so long. We're afraid of what might happen if we stop. But I'm not telling you to drop it. When I say let go, I'm telling you to place it in God's capable hands, 
To let go means to let him carry it. To, to let go means to let him have it. And I like the way Peter wrote about it in his epistle. Peter put it this way. He said, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. In other words, whatever that thing is that you're having trouble releasing, and I don't know what it would be. It could be an offense. It, it could be a worry. It could be a fear. It could be the expectations and standards put on you by other people. It could be the limitations and boundaries put on you by other people. Whatever it is, I'm not telling you to drop it. I'm telling you to cast it. Cast that care. It's funny you look at that word care. It really literally means stress. Whatever is stressing you, whatever is causing you tension, whatever is causing pressure in your life, that thing, that's the thing that you need to give to God. And I'm not telling you that it doesn't need to be carried. I'm just trying to suggest that it doesn't need to be carried by you. See, interesting, we know that David knew this because David wrote Psalm 55. And if you read Psalm 55, what you discover is he wrote it during a time where he had suffered a deep betrayal by somebody close to him. And he talks to God about it. He talks to God about his emotions. He talks to God about what he's feeling. But he also talks about how he handled it. And in verse 22, he gives us some instruction on how to handle the hurts that we hold on to. He says, Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. In other words, you've been holding the hurt. You've been holding the bitterness. You've been holding the shame. You've been holding that offense. If you really want to move forward, you've got to cast it on God. You've got to let him carry it. I'm not telling you that it's not significant. I'm not telling you that it's not heavy. I'm just telling you, you cannot move forward as long as you're holding it. That's why you got to let go of the way you thought things were supposed to be. That's why you got to let go of the standards and expectations put on you by other people. That's why you got to let go of your need for perfection that can only be complete by the perfect work of Jesus. You've got to let go of that. I know sometimes to let go, it can feel like a failure. But I'm trying to help you see it's the way forward. Endings are not evil. Dr. Henry Cloud says that endings are necessary. The reality is, if you want to step into something new, you have got to be willing to step out of something old. I think the reason people don't reach what God has for them, it's not that they don't desire something new. It's not that they don't desire something better. It's not that they don't desire what God has for them. It's that they're unwilling to step out of an old thing that's become familiar. That's what David did in our text. You got to keep in mind, it would have been unimaginable for anyone to go into a battle without the proper protection, without the proper weapons. Like, there's a fight, you suit up for the fight. There, there's a fight. This, this is the, the protocol. This, this is the usual standard. This is how you fight a battle. But David knew that the source of the issue determines the strategy for the fight. 
And since the problem was not Goliath's size, he wasn't worried about how big he was. Since the problem was not Goliath's weapons, he didn't need to take the usual weapons. Since the problem was not Goliath's strength, he didn't need the usual protection. You might be thinking, well, well what was the problem? The, the problem was the fact that Israel had forgotten that they serve a great God. And so since that's the problem, the way to face the fight is to do it in a way that is going to give God glory in front of all of Israel that their God is great. So what does David do? Let's go of everything that they tried to put on him. Let's go of their expectations. Let's go of their insults. Let's go of their criticisms. Let's go of their doubts. Even let's go of their help and their support. He says, I don't, need, I don't need any of that. I'm not going to hold on to it. I don't need it. And he goes to face Goliath. Let me show you what he does. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. And this was kind of funny to me because like, Goliath didn't just have one weapon, he had three. Like this guy is armed to the teeth. He's got a sword, he's got a spear, he's got like if something doesn't, one of these is going to work. He said, but I come against you, I don't have any of that. I don't have those weapons. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. I don't just have one weapon, I have the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. So, He's saying, I'm not coming to you with this, with all of these weapons. I have placed this in God's hands. In some ways, he's coming empty-handed because he's put it in God's hands. But the very next verse is interesting because now that David's hands are open, he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. And this very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. This guy is trash talking. And the whole world will know, this is the reason, that there's a God in Israel. So he says, all those gathered here will know, look, it's not the sword. I don't need it. It's not the spear. It's not the javelin. It's not the armor. It's not all that stuff that I could try to put my hands on and manipulate and strategize. No, it's not that stuff. It's the Lord who saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, there's a couple things that are interesting about this. So one thing I just want to point out to you, I, I think... One of the reasons we tend to take on offense is because we think every battle is about us instead of recognizing that the battle is the Lord's. But the other thing I, I need to help you with is I, I know we sing the song and I'm not trying to fault that. I think our intentions are pure and right. But the reality is God doesn't fight your battles. He, he doesn't fight your battles. God fights his battles. David said the battle is the Lord's. This is, this is his. It's not mine. Because if you think that God just fights your battles, well, you might be in a battle with somebody because of an offense. God did not call you to fight that. God fights 
his battles. So that's why you need to make sure that you are in his call and his purpose and his plan and to let go of those things that you're not supposed to be a part of. So God fights his battles, but I want you to notice what happens. When, when David let go, when he put it in his hands, he, he didn't just drop this. He, he gave it to God. And this is the key thing I need you to see today is that when you put the battle in God's hands, he puts the victory in your hands. He, he says, my hands are open, I've let go. And now that they're open, God's going to put you in my hands. He's putting the victory in my hands. In front of all the nation of Israel, God will deliver you into our hands. And so it's really, it's about reframing what it looks like to let go. If you can understand this, then you'll realize that that rejection was actually protection. That that breakup that had you busted up was actually a breakthrough. That the thing that you thought was the end was actually God's opportunity for a fresh start in your life. That what looked like a battle that you didn't want to fight was actually the thing that God used to bring a blessing. I'm trying to help you see what happens when you let go. Because people who plateau in their progress are the ones that never learn to release. Because when you release it, that's when God can do something with it. I want to show this to you in the text. It says, when Goliath started forward, David ran toward him. He put a rock in his sling and he swung the sling around by his straps. And when he let go of one strap, the rock flew out and hit Goliath on the forehead. It cracked his skull. He fell face down on the ground. David defeated Goliath with a sling and a rock. He killed him without even using a sword. He won, but not in the usual way. He won by releasing what he needed to let go. And I like how it says he, he let go of one strap because that's what we've been talking about in this series, right? First, you got to get a grip. There's some things that you need to hold on to. There's some things that you need to have tight convictions, grab hold of faith, don't let go of spiritual disciplines. Some stuff you need to get a grip, but then there's some stuff that you need to let go. There's some stuff that you need to surrender. There's some stuff that you need to release. Could be an offense, could be some excuses, some negative mindsets, some old patterns some guilt from your past, some, some shame. And that's, that's really how I wanted to lead you today is what is the stuff that you've been holding on to that God says today, it's time to let go. You've been worrying about that problem. You've been worrying about that, no, let it go. You've been wondering how you were gonna move past this. You've been wondering how you're gonna heal from this hurt. You need to let it go. You, you've, you've been holding this concern. You've been holding this burden and it has been holding you back and it has been holding you down. You need to, to let it go.